This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. Why don't you turn to the Gospel of Mark with me, if you would. The Gospel of Mark and chapter 5 is where we're going. I've learned the hard way as a, as a pastor, you know, to be in radio. So I'm used to filling dead air, you know. It's like dead air is our worst enemy, so we just babble if there's nothing going on. But I've learned the hard way as a pastor that it's sometimes good to be quiet and listen because I really want to hear his voice over my own. And today I'm going to bring you something that the Father's voice spoke to me clearly. And it's not the Easter story. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, if you don't know the Easter story, Jesus, the Son of God, lived a sinless life, died on a cross to pay the price for your sins and mine, was in the grave for three days and rose again on the third day. And that's what the resurrection day is all about today. Now, you know it didn't happen today, right? Like, not this day on the calendar. It floats, right? We celebrate Easter, different Sundays every year. But every day is Easter, Resurrection Day for the believer in Jesus because the same Spirit who raised him from the dead, if you are a believer, lives in you. So my advice to you today is be a believer, okay? Let that Spirit be alive in you. And we are believing God for this season that we're walking into. I'll share more about that in a minute, but just some really exciting things coming up in the month of May. We're calling it amazing. Get it? Get that? Amazing. And one of the amazing things happening, of course, is we call it Women's Day. The world calls it Mother's Day. It's happening May the 12th. And this year, we are privileged to have the finest speaker to women and men on the planet, the first lady of the house, Mrs. Krista Doyle. <laughs> She's preparing a special thing for you back there in the corner that is hidden. No peeking. No, no Easter candy for you if you peek. Okay, that's how this works. But I did bring you a little surprise back there. Did you see the stagecoach coming in this morning? There's a cool little stagecoach back there. I didn't even think about it until worship this morning. But let me just tell you something. That's a prophetic piece of work back there because we're going somewhere. I say, we're going somewhere. We're not staying where we're at. We're moving on, and we invite you to move on. It's a little tiny stagecoach, but I'm thinking we'll all fit in there. So love to have you come with us. It's going to be a great, great month coming up. And today on Resurrection Day, Chris and I just got back last night at 8 o'clock from House of David. We were in the immersion water with hundreds of people for over two hours. I'm a little pruny, but I had a great time praying over people and just experiencing what this season is about. And we encourage you, as Rabbi did, to join us on Friday night, our first ever Passover celebration. You say, what does that have to do with Easter? Are you kidding me? Everything. It has everything to do with Easter. We're the ones that have been robbed, and we're going to get it back on Friday night, okay? That's the good news. The bad news is they've only got 15 seats left, okay? So if you want one, you're going to have to get one. Now, tickets are required, but they're free. We just needed to be able to track how many were coming, and we're going to have a full house. Come on. That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have, all right? 
So Friday night at 7 o'clock, and it's going to be a time for us to recognize the fact that Jesus' life really was foretold from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus, and we're going to find out why on Friday evening. But today in the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to take you to a different story. What I was thinking about today is that Jesus' life really was messaging what his purpose was. He was showing the disciples and the people around him and showing us through the written record of what he did, what his heartbeat was. I love this morning, David sang that last song, the Father's arms are open wide. Love that. His arms are open to you today. And that's what we were praying over people in the pool yesterday, was the Father's heart, that they would have eyes open to his love today. Can we just pray that this morning before we start? Father, I just thank you so much for this resurrection day. We can't celebrate you enough, but Holy Spirit, celebration is good, but what we want is heart change today. God, that's what we want. That's why we came here. We didn't come to hear a man speak. We didn't come here to just hear some good music. We came to encounter you. So I pray that Jesus, the living resurrected Jesus, I know that you're walking these aisles today. And each one of us have a different need. You you know what it is. And so we welcome, God, you to come and move among us, speak to us individually, and touch that place in our heart that sometimes we're afraid to let anybody into. But today you just say, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Will you let me in? And we just say, yes, we will. Would you say that with your own mouth? Say, yes, I will. Come on, that's an invitation. Jesus is coming in today. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. The setup for this is Jesus has has just cast out, the Scripture says, literally thousands of demons out of a man. Crazy. And he cast them out and drove them into a herd of pigs. So here we have the first incident of deviled ham on record. Where's Chad when you need him? Okay, so he just had that happen. He crosses the lake, he gets on the other side, and look what happens. After Jesus returned from across the lake from the Deviled Ham incident, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through. Say, push through. He pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official put a little mental sticky note there, who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. Jesus went with him and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. It's important to know. Now in that crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better but worse. Just pause there. And Sometimes we spend all that we have on some way to fix what we know is wrong with us. And it doesn't work until you come to the one who can fix, Right? Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through. Say push through. Are you, are you picking up a pattern here? She pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl, his tallit. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. 
As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew it at once, that someone had touched him. For he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him to someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. Come on, will you be the one to push through and touch him today for what you need? Man, there's so much here. Verse 33, when the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet. Second person to do that now, saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. And Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared to believe your faith has healed you, go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. And before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through. Say, push through. Push through. Mm-hmm. Push through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. But Jesus, <laughs> come on, but Jesus... Yeah. But Jesus <laughs> refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home. But Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John in this translation, James why, why they named him James, we're not sure, because his name literally translates Jacob. But you can call him James if that's more convenient for you. Verse 38, when they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know, the girl is not dead, but merely asleep. Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. But he threw them all outside. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples, went into the room where the girl was lying. He tenderly clasped the child's hand in his and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha koum, which means little girl, wake up. Wake up from the sleep of death. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. Everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Jesus had them bring her something to eat, and he repeatedly cautioned them that they were to tell no one about what had happened. Is this an amazing slice of the life of Jesus or what? Three just ridiculous encounters. I want a ridiculous encounter with Jesus. How about you? That's what I came here for today. Didn't come here for church, came here to encounter Jesus in a major way. Directly after crossing the lake, these two people, one was a father desperate for his daughter's healing. The other was a woman desperate for her own healing. Both had different motives for pressing through the crowd, but both had the same goal. They wanted to touch Jesus. They wanted to be near Jesus. They knew that he had the answer for what 
they were looking for. And I just want to tell you today, friend, that Jesus has the answer today for whatever it is that you're looking for. Interesting to note as you read the text, the woman had suffered how many years? How old was the little girl? Isn't that interesting? And another interesting point is this. Jesus came to his own people. The gospel, it says, is to the Jew first. Jesus was bringing the good news to his own people, the Jews, but he got intercepted by a Gentile woman along the way. Come on, that's us today. The gospel came to the Jewish people. The Messiah, the Jewish Messiah came, but in the meantime, the Gentile woman interrupted him, and as a result, she experienced a life change as well. That's what's happened to you and I today. Jesus came to his own, but aren't you glad that he remembered us as well? We're going to learn more about that at Passover on Friday night. The church has been robbed of a lot of our heritage, but we're getting it back. And we're going to understand all that Jesus came to do and to fulfill. Jairus' heart, his father heart, drove him to do whatever it took, even if it meant laying down his pride, because what did he do? He threw himself at Jesus' feet. He was the leader of a Jewish synagogue, a very politically incorrect thing for him to do was to lay down, throw down at Jesus' feet. But man, his pride wouldn't let him. His pride was not going to be an obstacle for him. If his pride had stopped him, his daughter wouldn't have received her healing. But pride wasn't going to keep him from going to the master and receiving what he was looking for. And the woman with the issue of blood, a Gentile woman, um, think about that 12 years. Ladies, you can kind of appreciate what she was going through. Not going to get crude about it, but you kind of can figure out what was happening there. And in Jewish law, this would have made her ceremonially unclean, which meant everybody stay away. Even her own family. Think of the embarrassment that she would have suffered. Even just physically, 12 years. Come on. Ladies, few days of the month, that's enough, right? How about 12 constant years? Then that culture, that environment, it had been a very difficult thing to deal with. Her own family, keeping her at arm's length. And confounding it, she's Gentile, so Jesus, as a Jewish man, shouldn't have had anything to do with her, but it didn't stop her or him. And I love it that he calls her Daughter, oh my gosh, you guys. If you doubt Jesus' heart for all people, he demonstrates right there, number one, that a woman could approach him. That was another taboo in the culture, right? That she dared to press in, and Jesus said, daughter. Man, that's an example of the Father's heart. That's really what I want to focus on today. This determined woman and the heart of a father. He said, your faith has healed you. That's what he told the woman. Let me just tell you this, that faith pleases Jesus. I said, faith pleases Jesus. Don't apologize for believing God for something ridiculous in your life, something amazing. Rabbi said yesterday in the water, he said, don't ask him for too small a thing. And if there's anything we're guilty of sometimes is asking him for too small a thing. Because if you can do it on your own, why do you need him? You better be asking for things that are way bigger than you. And that is your plan. That's your father's heart for you. 
I love this that, you know, this Gentile woman and this Jewish ruler of a synagogue both pressed through the crowd. But there was someone else that pressed through the crowd, wasn't there? It was the people determined to deliver bad news to Jairus. How many of you know people that just love to talk about bad stuff all the time? Come on, it's like if they didn't have bad stuff, they'd have nothing to say. They'll make up something if they have to. They really don't want to be a part of a solution. They just want to parrot the problem. Come on. Maybe we ought to think before we speak sometimes. The key here is to check your motive. Before you open your mouth, check your motive. We really have to be careful what we allow to come out of our mouth. The words that you speak have power, either for life or for death. These people were coming speaking death. And I love that Jesus said, don't yield to fear. Just keep on believing. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't yield to fear. Just keep on believing. Did you notice that the people also said, don't bother the master anymore? Listen, you're never a bother to Jesus. I don't care what it is you think is so small. I'm telling you, he's never bothered. In fact, as a good father, he loves it. Man, this morning I got to hold my grandson in worship. And a year ago, we were sitting on pins and needles waiting for him to come. Em was sitting on a football, right? But (laughs) it was not a bother to us at all. We were excited. Jesus, your father in heaven is excited to meet your need. He wants, you don't have to convince him and twist his arm. He's your father. His arms are open wide to you today. It is his good pleasure to meet your need. That's the desire of his heart. These people, like sometimes our own friends, might mean well, but the words they speak aren't helping. And I would just encourage you today, keep on believing. Don't yield to fear. Jesus only allowed Peter, James, and John to accompany him. Did you notice that? How must those other disciples feel about that? That's kind of awkward. I'll take you, you, and you. You guys stay here. Boom. Wow. Talk about the potential for some jealousy, right? I love the, uh, the teaching Francis Frangipane teaches about the unoffendable heart. Wow. What a valuable thing to have. I would encourage you to guard your heart and don't allow your heart to be offended. Let me ask you, <laughs> are you jealous over other people's promotion? When something good happens to them, do you have to find a way to tear that down? It kind of is a great heart test. And I would just say, celebrate with other people. And that shows that you have a heart that God can trust with more for you. Are you hearing me today? It's a heart test. Rabbi says, you'll never have what you refuse to honor. That's something you should think about for a while. You'll never have what you refuse to honor. Think about that. What is it you want in your life? Learn to honor it when you see it in other people. And at the home, back home where this little girl lived, the people were in an uproar of grief. And I don't want you to think they were all necessarily genuine mourners because in this culture, you would even hire professional mourners to come and make a ruckus at the house. I'm not saying they were all that way, but there were certainly some there. I know that because of what happens next. Because when Jesus said, the girl's not dead, 
but asleep. What did they do to him? They made fun of him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. Bam, hearts exposed. People sometimes make a lot of racket, but they don't really seek a solution. They love misery, and they want to make everybody around them miserable as well. Jesus had a great solution for this. What did he do? He put them out. Come on, the people that are bringing you misery and just want to talk trash to you and bring you down out of that place of faith and cause you to fear and say, woe is me, nothing good ever happens to me. Let me tell you, put them out of your life. I'm not saying you got to be ugly. I'm just saying you got no place for that. Turn your name and say, I got no place for that. Got no time for that. I'm moving on. We got a little stagecoach back there. We're moving on, right? (laughs) Jesus was not afraid to do what was needed. He only took the child's mother and father and the three disciples and into the room where this little girl was lying. And in his native tongue, Jesus spoke Aramaic and he said to the little girl, arise. And looking deeper, she digged through the layers of the, of the transcript here, you find something that just caused me to about come unglued. Because that word, Talitha, could be interpreted little lamb. Mm, that's good. But this one's better. Sweetheart. My, my, my. Sweetheart, can you see him leaning over her, whispering to her, sweetheart, get up. The tenderness of Jesus is overwhelming to me. We've been in this season of awakening as a church. We've been believing God from the first of the year till now. We called it awakening, 50 days of awakening, and it ends today. And today we switch seasons based on the scripture in Ephesians 5.14 that we've been hanging on for months (laughs) that says, wake up, sleeper. What's the next word? Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Listen, I believe it's time for the church to wake up and to rise to what she's supposed to be experiencing life in Jesus in this next season. Come on, somebody, if you agree, say, I agree. Time to arise. Listen, the scoffer would say, oh, the church today is dead. She's been dead a long time. It's too late for her. Come on, if, if you listen to those voices or if you are one, just saying you're in danger of being put out of the house. Are you hearing me today? Jesus put out the people that didn't really know and perceive what was going on. All they wanted to do was talk about the problem. Listen, you want to talk about church problems? We can talk about this all day long and into next week. We'll eat up all the leftover Easter ham and we'll still be, you know, nibbling on the bone or whatever. And we'll still be talking about church problems. I'm tired of talking about church problems. I'm ready to see the church awake and arise and move forward in her destiny. This is the church's finest hour. I'm telling you that. I believe that. Does that mean it's going to be easy? (laughs) No, no, no. It is not. Rabbi told us yesterday, I know I keep quoting Rabbi, but, you know, he's my spiritual papa. And when papa speaks, you listen, all right? And the things that you hear, you need to be able to repeat that. Get it into your heart. The more you repeat it, the more you'll believe it, and you'll start living it. Just telling you, I'm your spiritual papa. I want you to listen today. 
Rabbi says, in the next 10 years, you won't recognize the church. It'll be totally different than today. Now, before you say amen, <laughs> some of us are holding on to things of the way it was when we were kids or the way we had it when we grew up. Are you ready for Jesus to let go of that in your life and give you something new? He says, behold, I do a new thing. Will you not perceive it? Come on. If we're going to arise and walk, we're going to have to perceive some new things. I believe the church will rise. I believe it is time for her to wake up and rise up and that this is the season to arise and to say and believe with Jesus, nothing is impossible for you. They should have been standing in astonishment and awe. Instead, they were ridiculing and making fun of him. So you've got to make a decision which side of the fence you're going to land on. I know a guy who made that choice. He came from one side and now he's flipped to the other. And I'm telling you, Jesus loves Dayton, Ohio. Almost as much as he loves St. Joseph, but he does love Dayton, Ohio. And Jesus is king of Dayton, Ohio, but I want you to meet the prince of Dayton. He's brought his beautiful wife, Shonda, and his three amazing spawn with him today. Trinity, Jenna, and Che. Would you welcome the man of God, Joel Burton, in the house today? Come on. Yes, sir. I can't have this man, this fireball in the house without giving him a chance to speak to you all. I told the family yesterday, I was like, we're going to have, you don't have pumpkin pie on, on Easter, but at our house we have cheesecake. Oh, come on. This is the big old dollop of Cool Whip, boom, on the cheesecake right here. Joel, tell me about what's going on in Dayton. You guys have had an amazing experience over the past few weeks. I need you to tell us about that. <laughs> so um, it really actually started probably last October. We had gathered several thousand people from across state and many churches uh, at our minor league baseball stadium, Fifth Third Dragon Stadium, to worship Jesus. And so after that, we kind of asked ourselves, we can bring all these people together to worship him. Mm. How do we bring all these people together to serve him? Yeah. That's the trick. That's right. Um, so recently we had a massive cleanup. And uh, we, went, we approached the city, and the city said, you know, we have 7,000 vacant homes, and we need the trash around them cleaned up. And so we said, we'll take that on. 7,000 vacant homes mm. in 65 neighborhoods. Wow. Um, and so what has happened from that point, we had a lot of naysayers. We had people, as we were pressing through, stepping yeah. on our knuckles and saying, it's not going to happen. Yep. You know, they were sweating us out. They were pushing us. Never been before, never going to happen. Yep. Never been before. Nothing like this. They mm -hmm. may do one neighborhood cleanup with four or five volunteers, mm -hmm. but not like this one. So what had happened was, short story, April 6th, we had 1,500 hmm. volunteers. 1,500. We had 40 churches. Yeah. <laughs> and we cleaned up 125 tons of trash in four hours. Thank you, God. The city of Dayton's largest cleanup or social community event in history. Wow. 
Yeah. And this guy was in charge of it. Because look at his face. Why would you not do what he says? Now look at that. <laughs> what you're not telling people, and I will say, is that God gave you favor and you begin to rise up. This guy lost his job. When was that? August. In August, he's unemployed. And today, everybody in Dayton knows his name. He's been on every major media. The mayor, the city, what do you call them? The city commissioners. Commissioners. They all are like, uh, we want you to come with us. And now God has made a way. A, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. That's what God has done for you, Joel B. <laughs> so what do you want to tell St. Joe about that? What can we learn from your experience? So... <laughs> I think he's got something. <laughs> there was a time we stepped out in ministry. Mm. And I imagine each one of us can witness to this point that I'm about to make. There was a time we stepped out in ministry, and we found out it wasn't the time. Yeah. We couldn't have done this two years ago. They said they tried. There's a man in office at the city of Dayton that couldn't do it. Mm. He didn't know how. He didn't know where to begin. There was eight of us in a room praying, asking the Lord, what do we do? And he spoke. And we listened, and we obeyed, and we went. It wasn't two years ago. Every one of us have a story to tell in this team of ours, the Living City Project. Every one of us have a story to tell. Two years ago, we couldn't tell the story hmm. because we weren't anywhere near what we thought we were going to be. But he had to set us up in a stage, in a journey to get us to this point. That's right. If we'd have done that two years ago, we'd have probably cleaned up five trash bags. I don't know. But 125 tons of trash was accumulated in four hours because people listened, they obeyed, mm. and they went. They wouldn't stop. Even though people were stepping on us. But here's what I want to tell you. Up there in the upper room, as we were praying, mm -hmm. God began to show me something. <laughs> and this is so random. <laughs> what I saw was an Old West antique store. And in the very back corner was a rocking chair. And in that rocking chair was a robot. <laughs> Robots don't belong in rocking chairs. Come on. But it was dusty and it was dirty. It was covered. But then the winds came. And as the winds blew the cobwebs off that robot and the dust from the rocking chair, the robot's eyes lit up. Mm -hmm. And it was awake. That robot would have had no purpose in the Old West. That's right. But there's a time for that robot. That's right. Not that we function as robots, but that robot was turned off because he was no good where he was at the time mm. that he was in. It's good. But what God is doing right now, I witnessed to what Rabbi said yesterday about the 10 years. In 10 years, church is not going to look like it's going to look. Mm -hmm. We are stepping into a time, not a season, mm -hmm. a time right. of favor right now when we elevate ourselves from the church influence to that kingdom influence. When we begin to mm -hmm. work with other churches and ministries and lay ourselves down to say, I don't care what the title of my church is. 
right. care about St. Joseph, right. Missouri. I care about Dayton, Ohio. I care about my starving neighbors, yep. the ones that can't come and help themselves. Yep. I care about them. And when we do what the Father has asked us to do, that's, that's to reciprocate his love and his affirmation and give that out. That is what we are asked to do. Mm -hmm. When we do that, God, he didn't resurrect Jesus Christ for us just to fight about our own salvation. Come on. If that's all you're doing, then you're doing it wrong. That's right. This resurrection power isn't <laughs> so I would stay saved. Yeah. This resurrection power is that I would go out and I'd reach for somebody else yeah, yeah. and share the power Come with on. him. That's right. That's what I would tell you, is what happened during this cleanup was that. People that were hurt from the church, mm -hmm. they said, you'll never get churches to work with each other. Mm -hmm. On the backside, we didn't know their story and how bad the church beat them up and abused yeah, them. That's right. Said, it'll never happen. This was a pastor's son. That man called us last night and FaceTimed me is that right? to tell us happy anniversary. Awesome. Tears in his eyes, tears in his wife's eyes, saying, so good. Joel, you don't know what you've done to us. So good. And I said, it's not me. Mm -hmm. But I let the, the resurrection power of Christ work through me. Mm -hmm. That's right. We bring, we give mm. belief, we give hope, we give faith. That's right. If we hoard all that up in the, in the house, it becomes old antiques. That's right. With no purpose. But if we loose that up and we awaken mm -hmm. that, if we arise to our calling, that's right. then God would anoint us and bless right. us to move forward with whatever ministry that's been stagnant in this church yep. has. God says, now's the time to mm -hmm. arise. Now's the time to put it front and center and move forward. That's right. You know, I said I was giving you some Cool Whip. I think I gave you Tabasco sauce today for your, for your cheesecake. <laughs> All right, brother. Here's what I want you to do. Joel's going to go back to his seat. He's going to go this way and walk all around the back. And I want you to give him high fives as he goes. And get some of that Tabasco on you. Would you do that? <laughs> Thank you, brother. Love you. Come on, let's give it up for Joel B. this morning. You're going that way. You're going that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. How many of you, are you ready for some Tabasco on your cheesecake today? Tabasco on your cheesecake. The reason I want you to do that is because, see, I know this man's story. And I know the road that he's traveled. And I know the road you have traveled with him, Shonda. And it's not been easy. And you've experienced your own share of heartache and bruises. And I'm just so grateful that this man and his wife have not given up, and they're still walking. And a city has changed because of it. That's why he deserves a high five. And I'll tell you something he didn't say, and maybe I'm not supposed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I won't give out any names, but because of the demonstration of unity and churches working together, it broke down denominational walls. It broke down racial barriers. It brought together economic differences as one church. And Joel told me that a local businessman, and I can't tell you the whole story. It's an amazing story, but has indicated he's going to be writing 
a $100,000 check to this effort for next time. That's the impact that obeying, walking out of hardship, not choosing to wallow in the pain. Now, come on, listen, I understand it. You know, here's the deal. When Chris and I lost our first child, we had a little girl named Hannah, and she died at birth, and she's buried in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He's our arrow. She's our arrow in a quiver, right? Our first arrow is in buried in Broken Arrow, and that was a difficult path to walk. But here's what I, I learned from that. A lot of things. But one thing was a pastor came to us in the hospital room just hours after Hannah was born. And I had asked him to do her funeral because we were living in a city that wasn't our home and we didn't know many people. And he was a guy I worked with, so I said, would you do her funeral? He came to the hospital room and here's the first words out of his mouth. All right, time to get over it, move on. Now listen, there is a time to get over it and move on, there is. But it isn't two hours after you've experienced a great loss. There is a process, there's a journey, but neither can you stay bleeding to death forever. It's time for you to press through, say press through. through. Time to press through and just touch the end of his robe today. If you have a desire like Jairus and and the desire of your heart, it's killing you. It's like your 12-year-old daughter is on her deathbed and you're willing to set your pride aside and to fall at his feet. It might be politically incorrect. It might get you out of certain social circles. Who gives? I almost said something there I shouldn't have said. But I stop myself. I listen to the voice and I look at my wife and no cheesecake for you, mister. (laughs) Uh, Listen, so let's get back to our story. Instantly, the little girl gets up. She rises up. Feel bad for all those scoffers that didn't get to be there. We are going to watch this church rise up. Listen, I had a revelation. Where was it this weekend when I, when I got that revelation? I was somewhere. Oh, I was speaking at another church this morning or this week for Easter week. Six o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. You know you're tough if you can preach at 6 a.m. And I didn't mean to go there with the story, but I told him about leaving broadcasting, you know, my journey out of broadcasting into ministry, and that the Lord had given me a story Restoration people, I apologize, you've heard this story so much, but just put up with me for a moment because it was while I was at the height of my career, 30 million people every day heard my work and focused on the family. I was living my dream for me and God said, hey, by the way, I have a dream for you too. And it was not what I thought it was gonna be. And it's, it was a painful journey. And we could have chosen to live in the pain that we've experienced But in that moment when the Lord was calling me into his dream, there was a story that we had broadcast about a a pastor, young pastor, first time in the ministry, had pastored a little tiny church in nowhere, Nebraska. I'll say Nebraska, right? And it was all the congregation was over 85, love people over 85, but you just know that that church is eventually going to cease to exist. 
And so he's a first-time pastor, and he's wanting to do something. And there was a lady in the church named Pearl, and Pearl was on her deathbed in the hospital. Pastor goes to the hospital wanting to do something for her, and he's anxious to prove himself as her new pastor. And says, Pearl, what can we do? What do you need? She's like, I don't need anything, Pastor. I'm good. He said, isn't there something we can do for you? She's like, well, you know, I'm going to go see Jesus soon. I don't, I don't need a whole lot. But if you wanted to sing a hymn, that'd be, that'd be nice. He's like, what? Okay, not that great of a singer, but let's give it a shout. What's your favorite song? She said, Amazing Grace. It's my favorite. He said, well, I think we can do that. So he and his little bride and Pearl held hands, and they began to sing Amazing Grace. This is the story the pastor was telling that I was broadcasting on the show that day, and I was bawling my eyes out because he said they sang verse one together, Pearl and her crackly voice, you know, and then verse two, Pearl closed her eyes. Her hands kind of grew limp. They got to verse three, and Pearl slipped into eternity. Pastor said, boy, I must have been a really bad singer, you know. She couldn't stand it anymore. She had to get out of there. But that story, I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, Tim, I've got 150 people lined up to take your job at Focus on the Family, but I don't have many who will sing to Pearl. And I thought, (laughs) in the last 10 years, I thought Pearl was the church that we had to close up and sing her home. But what I'm realizing is, that's our city. And she's not dead yet. Her best days are still ahead of her. He was talking about the church today, that you and I can take what others see as dead with no hope, and we can sing. We can sing the song of the Lord. We can sing the song of faith. In the middle of the storm, we sang earlier, louder and louder. You're going to hear our praises roar. This morning I was thinking, the devil hates Easter Sunday. He hates it because it reminds him he is defeated. So let's keep reminding him of that. The little girl sat up. Others said, what are you doing? Laughing at Jesus. You say she's asleep. He said, get out. I don't need your stuff right now. What I need is people who will walk in faith and agree with me. Sweetheart, come on. Do you love the church that way? To call her sweetheart? I know she's mean and she bites sometimes. <laughs> she's ornery. But she's Jesus' bride. She's what drove him to the cross. And you and I get to be part of her rising from her sleep. Awake, sleeper, rise from the dead and the light of Christ will shine on you. When the light of Christ shines on us like it did on the, fa- the faithful band in Dayton, Ohio, things will happen. Things will change, and church will not look like in 10 years, like it looks now. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Tell your neighbor that's a good thing. That's what we want. But listen, <laughs> Jesus wants some partners. 
We have a part to play. I want you to write just a few things down as I wrap up this morning. First of all, do not scoff. Don't be a scoffer. Don't be a mocker. Don't be one who just parrots the problem. Change the song that comes out of your mouth. Will you sing to Pearl? I'm going to give you the challenge that Jesus gave to me. Will you sing to Pearl? Are you willing to, despite her faults and her blemishes and her scars and even her ugly words, will you sing to Pearl? Will you join heaven's song? And will you say, sweetheart, will you call her by the name that Jesus calls her? I love that. Don't grow cynical. Keep a tender heart. Don't play the part of the critic. Number one, don't scoff. Number two, do not disqualify yourself. Chris and I could have disqualified ourselves multiple times. And I'm not saying we've done it perfectly, but by the grace of God, we're still here. And I'm not even going to tell you the stuff that we had to just choose to let go and not choose to walk in and to keep rehearsing over and over again. Just this week, another story of another church in our city that did something that's not honorable. It caused another pastor and his family to leave the ministry. Listen, when I worked at Focus in the 1990s, over 2,000 people a month, 2,000 pastors in the pulpit leaving their post because of stress, burnout, or turnout. And that is a crisis. And 2,000 pastors a month in the 90s, I don't even want to know what that is today. But here's what I want to say. It does not have to be true of us, and it does not have to be true of our city. And we can make a difference. Give a quick plug here. Many of you saw the news press article that came out, I think it was yesterday. We're a part of a citywide prayer event on the National Day of Prayer. I believe it's Thursday, May 2nd. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the first Thursday of May, whatever that is. We used to do this years ago when I wasn't a pastor. And I would draw pastors and churches together on the National Day of Prayer. We saw over 2,000 people easily come to those events. Guess what happened? I became a pastor. And immediately, it nosedived. Why? Because now I'm a competitor in people's eyes. Are you hearing me? That is not my heart. That's the farthest thing from my heart. Matt, why don't you go ahead and have Carrie bring the kids down. The farthest thing from my heart is to be a competitor, but it's perception. That's a part of the heart of the bride that needs to heal. Are you hearing me today? People who love Jesus and are born of his spirit are not our competitor. We're a co-laborer with them. Jesus is looking for co-laborers who will partner with him. It may not look like your favorite thing. It may not be the way you would choose to do it. How many of you know I'd rather be effective than have my own way? I told you I've learned to listen to the voice and just follow what he says. And that's the advice for us today, not to disqualify ourselves, but to live astonished at what Jesus can do. Come on over, kids. Give it up for our next generation of world changers this morning.
We want you front and center for this today. So good. If we're going to be involved in the miracle, we can't be scoffers, we can't be critics. We have to be willing and <laughs> loyal participants with Jesus in the miracle. What was the next thing Jesus told them to do after little girl gets up? What did he say? Come on, remember. What did he say? Give her what? Something to eat. Come on now, that's my Jesus right there. He knows how important food is. Give her something to eat. Give her something to eat. I hope you're believing God for something greater than what you can accomplish. Because when you partner with Jesus <laughs> and you see Jesus do what only Jesus can do, you have a part to play. What did Jesus tell Peter to do? Listen, Peter had denied. Let's see if the kids know this one. When Peter denied Jesus, the rooster crowed how many times? Very good. And Peter was feeling pretty bad. But the next time Peter sees Jesus, Jesus encourages him, even though he denied Jesus. And Jesus asked him a question three times. The question was this, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, Lord, I do love you. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do something for me. What did he say you will do for me? You will feed my sheep. Feed my sheep or lambs. You say lambs. It's a good word too. Depends on which version you read, right? Come on. Are you hearing the correlation there? Jesus said, give her something to eat. Listen, to partner with Jesus, you need to feed the movement that's happening currently, that the Holy Spirit says, I'm on that. You need to be a part of it. You need to feed it with your prayer. You need to feed it with your resources. You need to feed it with the words of your mouth, the song that you're singing. Are you hearing me today? Feed my sheep. Take sweetheart by the hand and say, we're gonna walk together and I'm gonna be a part of you filling, fulfilling the work of God for your life. Can you imagine the ministry that little girl had? From that mo moment on, her life was never the same. Her family's life was never the same. And people were astonished, it said. If you love me, feed my what? Who are the sheep? Exactly. Raise your hand and say, bah. Exactly. Let me hear you big old sheep say it. Oh, yeah. Listen to that. That's scary right there. <laughs> Give her something to eat. You have an assignment. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have an assignment. Do it. And the, the fun part is we get to discover what that is and how awesome that we get to do that together. But you say, but it's gone too far. I've given up hope. Here's my third encouragement to you. Don't give in to fear, right? That's what Jesus told Jairus. Don't give in to fear. Once we see Jesus beginning to move, then we have a job to do. And I just want to say to you, Jesus is moving. Look around you. Krista was saying this week, it takes vision to have walked into this old warehouse and saw a church here. 
Can I be honest with you? Some of the people who were with us then looked around and said, I don't see it. And in my heart, I replied, but not out loud, because I tried to be a nice person, then you never will. You've got to see it with the eyes of faith before you're going to see it with your natural eyes. But look around you and tell me that Jesus isn't moving. Come on, did you peek next door? See, we opened up a whole new room for Jesus to move in. Come on. It's like we're expanding. We've just begun. Now that we're awake and we've risen up, now we've got a journey, a destination, somewhere to go. And we get to participate in the miracle. Come on, they got to participate in this miracle. It wasn't just sitting back and applauding Jesus. He said, hey, give her something to eat. <laughs> we get to have a part in it. We're not just observers. We're participants. That's my challenge to you moving forward. Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, can't be a once a year thing where we have chocolate bunnies and eggs and ham and then we wait till next year. No, Resurrection Day is every day for the believer. Every day we can see a miracle just as great as what the woman with the issue of blood or the demon-possessed man or Jairus whose heart was for his daughter. Come on, I believe there's some people today whose hearts are just as heavy as Jairus was, as this woman was. <laughs> and Jesus is coming your way. In fact, he's here now because he's a resurrecting Jesus. You need to remember. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that the same Jesus who died on a cross 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus today who lives and walks among us and says, I'm not done yet. And until Jesus is done, it's not over, all right? Until Jesus is finished, until he says it's finished. Listen, when he said on the cross it's finished, he didn't mean I'm done. He was saying my work on earth is complete. Now let's get to work together. Let's participate in the miracle. It starts, though, with you remembering what Jesus did for you. Father, I thank you so much for the truth in your word, in that dance. <laughs> Lord, in our worship today, you've reminded us that, first of all, you are greater than anything that stands against us. There is no demon in hell that can stop your love from coming to us. But Lord, sometimes we are the obstacle. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's a, feel, a feeling that you're not worthy. Maybe it's something that happened in the past that we think it's all about some religious thing. I'm just asking today, would you, Father, break those chains, those shackles off of us? Would you open our eyes? I want you just to keep your eyes closed for a second. I want to share something with you. Before we got into the immersion tank with those 600 people yesterday. I was just asking the Lord to show me what he was saying to me. And what I saw was his eye. I saw the eye of the Father looking at me. I felt like he said, Tim, you need to know how I see you. Because when you know how I see you, you'll know that you're loved and you're accepted by me and that I came to set you free. Now with that knowledge and with a healed heart, you can be a part of helping others know me that way too. And that's what we prayed over every person in the water yesterday. That's what I'm gonna invite you to today. 
to see as the Father sees. Today he calls you sweetheart. Guys, I know that's kind of hard for you. How about dude? Okay, whatever, whatever term of endearment you prefer. Son. Today will you come to the Father and let that love, that unceasing, unstoppable love, let it in today. Don't hold him at arm's length. Be like Jarius, the father of the little girl. Be desperate, whatever the situation is. It's about dead. People have come to you and said, it's dead. There's no hope. Jesus said, don't let fear rob you of what I want to do. You may have had this issue for 12 years, 20 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. Press through today. Press through your own fear of what if it doesn't happen. Listen. That's not the voice of your Father speaking to you. I encourage you to shut out all other voices right now. And just let the eyes of the Father burn through all that haze and fog. Let His heart touch you today. If you want to experience that new life and to have that in this season, to awake from sleep and rise from the dead, I want you to pray with me. Church, if you're in agreement, let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I've heard your heart for me today and I receive it. I receive your Father's heart for me. Your arms are open wide to me. So I open my arms wide to you. And I hear your voice saying, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and let my light shine on you. Father, may your light shine on us today in ways and increasing numbers that we've never seen. We embrace the move that you're taking us through now, Lord. We say it's a new season. It's a time of new beginnings, Lord. We've never been here before, but we're taking you by the hand and we're trusting you. We want to dance with you today, Father. We want to celebrate with you today, not just what happened when Jesus rose from the dead, which was amazing, but awaken us today to the reality that the same Jesus who rose from the dead is alive today and living in those who receive him. Say, I receive. And I believe in Jesus' name. Now let's thank heaven today for the heart change that only he can make, only he can do. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at Second and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Thanks again for listening.